0: League Championship and have beaten the Padres for-
1: HYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm your host, John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stoleness. Happy Labor Day, everybody. We are doing the podcast here in the middle of the day on Labor Day. Uh, so instead of being at a beach or at a pool, I am in my upstairs office talking with my good friends, Justin uh, Justin Clue and Liz Rocher, about the fills and uh, a slightly disappointing weekend in Milwaukee, but uh, saved somewhat by uh, a victory on Sunday that. Uh, I didn't seem like it was going to happen for most of that game. So we'll talk about the Brewers series and kind of what lays ahead this week as the Phillies are in San Diego to take on the Padres. And uh, we'll invite in Elizabeth Rocher, who you can follow from Yahoo Sports and at Liz Rocher on the X Machine. Liz, happy Labor Day to you. I know you're kind of uh, uh, with a little bit of fighting, a little bit of a uh, an injury here, but uh, we're 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 pleased you're with us.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Me and my sexy podcast Yes, yeah, the <laughs> kathleen turner of the hit
1: and season podcast everybody <laughs> that's exactly right justin clue from baseball prospectus and of course uh, all the podcasts that he does over at our uh, hit and season patreon uh, absolutely hammered and the dirty inning follow him on twitter at justin underscore clue justin what's up with you buddy
2: It's appropriate we're working on Labor Day because we sure were laboring through three devastating Phillies losses in a row.
1: Mm, Man, it's so good when it hits your
2: lips. I love it. audience (laughs) laughs. Pause. Press but in the, <laughs> I will say in the past two weeks, the Phillies have gone eight and four. I'm not here to be, you know, the, hey, things aren't so bad because I actually just don't think that they are. But, you know, it is, I zoomed out a little bit. The past two weeks, the Phillies have gone eight and four. Trey Turner has hit 365 with an OPS north of 1,200. He's one of four guys in the National League who in that time has generated one win above replacement or higher. The others being Mookie Betts, Marcelo Zuna, and William Contreras. Schwarper and Harper have both been worth 0.8 wins above replacement both of them have higher ops's in that time than turner and schwarber has walked in 22.8 percent of his plate appearances which is the highest in baseball in that span no one else is even walking at a rate higher than 18 percent so despite the series loss in milwaukee they are still what five and a half games up yeah. and yeah this is the this is the kind of this is the kind of headspace i wanted to be in once that first loss on friday happened i wanted to come into this this show Uh, feeling like, okay, they won that third game, thankfully, and we can still count the success of the last couple weeks as being part of a recent hot streak.
1: Right. I mean, I think I predicted the Phillies losing this series to the Brewers before it happened. It's a tough place to play. Uh, The the Brewers are obviously a a very good team. They have a, a slightly better record than the Phillies. Both teams entered the series with the same record, and we know that the Brewers' pitching staff is legitimate. So certainly no... It's it's no slight to, to lose two out of three to the Brewers. And like you mentioned, Justin, a five-and-a-half game lead in the wild card, uh, a two-and-a-half game lead on the Cubs for the top wild card spot. And then you've got Arizona, Miami, San Francisco, Cincinnati all tied. Four teams tied for that last playoff spot. So... The Phillies can can stumble a little bit here and there and and they're in an okay position in terms of the wild card which is much different than they were a year ago. A year ago at this time on September 4th the Phillies were 73 and 61 so they were 12 games over 500. This year they're 14 games over 500. So they're slightly better right now. But at this time last year the Atlanta Braves had a 10 and a half game lead on them for the top wild card spot. And then it was San Diego and the Phillies battling it out for that second and third spot with Milwaukee right behind them. So it just, it, the Phillies are benefiting from the fact that the other wildcard teams in the National League are not quite at the level the Atlanta Braves were last year. And the Phillies still in a really good position here with that top wildcard spot. And I think we're seeing. Just based on the mojo as much as anything else, Liz, and and the way the team feels, it's going to be really important to get that wildcard series at home because the feeling in Milwaukee over the course of the weekend, even though the bats were still hitting some home runs, but everything, it it didn't have the juice. And I think that's what we're talking about with Citizens Bank Park, what that place has become over the last year or so, what an advantage it is for the Phillies, how much more comfortable they seem there. It's just a different ball game playing on the road than it is playing at Citizens Bank Park.
0: Completely. Um, And having watched so many home games lately, when they went to, when I watched the first game in Milwaukee, I'm like, what has happened to Citizens Bank Park? Oh wait, that's not where they are. They don't play there 100% (laughs) of the time. I know baseball, but it really was a marked difference. And I I mean, it feels, I, I feel like, you know, important baseball people with fancy job titles are going to say, you know, this has nothing to do with it, with the Phillies' success. But I really think the home crowd in the stadium really does. You know, they uh, opponents talk about it like a uh, like it's a, a horrible, you know, dungeon of pain when they come yeah. to play there because they can't hear anything or what else, whatever else it is. So, like, that alone, it is, like... That is what home field gets them. It's more than just, you know, Oh, they get to play in front, you know, home in front of their own fans, they can sleep in their own beds. That's secondary to the fact that I I believe it actually gives them an advantage in the games itself.
1: Yeah. And just at as much as at anything else, I think the Phillies themselves believe it gives them an advantage, which then gives them a mental edge. It, it helps get them up for these games, you know, more so than when they're playing someplace else. And even even with all that being said, they they still should have won two out of three in Milwaukee this week, mm-hmm. were it not for uh, a terrible defensive play and some awful work by the bullpen, which we'll get into in a minute.
2: Yeah, here's a quick list of teams that lost three games in a row in September and still won the World Series. The 2021 Braves, the 2019 Nationals, the 2018 Red Sox, the 2017 Astros, the 2015 Royals, the 2014 Giants actually lost three times in a row twice in the month of September and went on to win the World Series. And the only reason I don't have more is because that's where I stopped looking because it was too many already. Um, so uh, having the, watching the Phillies lose three games you know, from the last game of August and then these la- these first two against the Brewers, Uh, It was annoying in the moment, but not really indicative of of what I felt was a long term issue for this team moving forward. I don't think anything got that fully disrupted because the things we're going to talk about, I feel, were either indicative of of troublesome trends beginning or just kind of hiccups rather than indications that that something is now broken. Uh, so yeah, I feel like uh, playing the Brewers was going to be one of the first really big challenges uh, of their recent stretch. But yeah, and having to go into Milwaukee, like you guys are saying, was, was also a challenge. I mean, if there's a team hotter than the Phillies right now, it would be the Brewers. They've won, I think, 13 of 15 uh, after this series. Like, they are... They are they have found their bats and they are a formidable lineup. So that is uh, to, to be able to lean on their pitching and, and uh, supplement it with the kind of offense, offensive production they've had uh, makes them a really intimidating team to play against the Phillies on the other hand, have just found their offense and are starting to not be able to lean on their pitching as much, or in a contest like that, you're waiting for the first kind of, Uh, Screw up. And I think we saw that a couple times in this series, too. So I think what it comes down to is less like which of these teams is better is more like let's watch these two very hot teams uh, go up against each other. And uh, that that the end result was just didn't go the Phillies way.
1: Yeah, an objective observer would look at what happened and say, yeah, that's probably what should have happened. The Brewers probably should have won two out of three in that series, just based on how good both teams were, how hot both teams were. That, that, that makes sense. But I think you're right. And, and what, what we're all worried about now is September Phillies. Because this has not been a good month for the Phillies historically. Even even last year and the year before, they've had good August, September rolls around, and things just kind of come off the rails a little bit. Now, offensively, like you were saying, on Friday, the Phillies lost to the Brewers. They were trailing the whole game, but then Trey Turner hits that dramatic three-run home run off of Devin Williams to give them a 5-3 lead. Joel Pyamps was... Just all over the place in that game. Walked two singles, which brought in a run. And then uh, Trey Turner continuing his incredible clutch hitting uh, really since the month of August started, since the ovation happened. Um, And then it all went away like the, the the bullpen collapsed Jose Alvarado who's just off the injured list a couple weeks ago was still having trouble finding his cutter and so Alvarado walks in a run but Jeff Hoffman comes in gets the second out on that big strikeout uh, against Willie Adamas and it looks like he's going to get out of the inning he induces a ground ball to third base the Phillies are going to escape the bottom of the eighth inning with a with a five to four lead and it just inexplicably goes under Alec Boehm's glove resulting in a three run error and of course uh, the Phillies are not able to to mount a, uh, a come another comeback I mean how many times can you that's the question too Liz is like how many times can you keep coming back can you keep coming back and as of late with the with the loss to the Angels um, you had that loss to the Giants a couple weeks ago and then the, that loss to the Brewers on Friday you got to figure sometimes it, you, you just run out of those bullets you run out of those chances to 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 come back after trailing late in the game like that but they, they did it on Sunday, too, so maybe, maybe not.
0: I mean, the the limit, there is, the sky is the limit. There is no limit to the Phillies' talent as long as they're still able to bring it out in the moments that counts. Um, it, the whole getting behind and then having to make a comeback thing is not a long-term plan. I don't think they mean it to be long-term. It's just the way it's happening right now. Um I, as we all worry when the Phillies score like 20 runs in a game and that they have now run out of runs for the rest of the week, I think we're all run, we're all worried that they're running out of comebacks, that there's a limited yeah. supply. But that's not how this works. It just feels like that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually how it works. Um, God willing, they'll have enough comebacks in them for the rest of the playoffs because what we've seen of the Phillies lately is I think – the best the Phillies are going to get like what we've seen of them in this great in the good stretch that we've seen with um, with Trey Turner getting better um, you know like the two weeks they were firing on all cylinders that's the best they're going to get and that was that was still pretty a a roller coaster of emotions I'll say so we should all just we should all just accept the comebacks are the thing we're going to have to just get used to them and accept that the unlike the 2022 Phillies, the 2023 Phillies will play with our emotions. They didn't know enough in 2022 to do that this year. Now they're they're going to play with our emotions before they either win or lose.
1: Well, I, I think one of the things that's happened here, Justin, is that even when the Phillies are no hit through five innings by Wade Miley, I'm now holding off on firing off the the overly negative tweets until the game has progressed a little bit more because you, know, you said it you said it last time I think we talked was you know you, this is just the way this team's going to play now and you've got to let the whole game play out and I it, it bothers me that going back to the Lorenzo no hitter the Phillies have trailed at some point in 20 of their last 21 games. <laughs> the only time in their last 21 games in which they didn't trail during a game at some point was in the three to nothing win over the Cardinals a couple weeks ago. So they have so they have trailed in every sing, virtually every single game since the Lorenzo no hitter. 20 out of their last 21, but. You know, it's they're 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 finding ways most of the time, and even in the games when they're losing, they're still overcoming those deficits. It's just the the bullpen is is kind of getting in the way, and I know that's been the big talk. You know, after the game on Friday, Alec Boehm misses. The grounder, and that was a that was a huge play. But you have Jose Alvarado coming in, not not able to get the job done, and, and Craig Kimbrell blows that save against the Angels uh, a couple a couple of games before that. Specifically on on Friday, who, who did you end up giving kind of more of the blame for that loss? Did you give it more for Bohm for missing the grounder, or was it Alvarado who got him in all kinds of trouble there?
2: I'm definitely leaning towards Alvarado. I, oh, yeah. I feel like in, in the case, I mean, look, it you know, I don't think it's healthy to blame a single person. But typically, you know, at games like this, you want the, you want to forget about them as quickly as possible. And we're lucky the Phillies did move on uh, and managed to win the third game of this series. But, you know, if you're asking, was it this guy or was it this guy? I mean, you got to give it to Alvarado. He could not find the strike zone. He was, he was not in control of his pitches and you know, everybody jokes like, Oh, they got these guys who can throw hundred miles an hour, but don't always know where the ball's going. Well, he didn't know, didn't seem to know where the ball was going. Yeah. Uh, and when you're walking in runs in a game that close in, in September against a very competitive team, then you're, starting to hand him the game uh, you're, you're allowing the situation where things like Bohm's mistake could happen now you know that doesn't make anybody faultless here Bohm obviously needs to field that ball he fields that ball the Phillies win the series uh, but we could all see Bohm. we could see how he was upset and frustrated and angry we saw it. I really liked when Turner and Stott came over honestly oh. and Stott, Stott kind of gave like clapped like at him a little just as like it's okay well he was like crouching down uh and then that was good to see in a lot of ways where it's just like yeah that's what this team does that's the kind of chemistry they have that's that's how they react in situations like that um so like the idea of oh he's got to be held accountable for that i mean do you want to go to his house are we talking about booing (laughs) like what are we what are we talking about like I, i think we just learned that You don't always have to reach for booing, Uh, and you know what kind of player Boehm is. I mean, he's a mid-range third baseman. He's not. He's certainly not the worst, and he's certainly not the best defender. That's that's not the top of the Phillies' priorities as far as issues. But he
1: used to be the worst, and so I think there's that improvement there. You know?
2: Yeah. Exactly, And, and he, sh- he showed in game three when he hits a home run to help deliver right. that win that he didn't, he didn't linger on it. He didn't dwell on it. He got a couple more uh, balls down at third base and he fielded them cleanly. There was that pop-up that got pretty interesting. <laughs> and boy, if, <laughs> if he had dropped that, we'd be having a different conversation. I think yeah. the the news cycle would be a little different uh, if he had two big, two big misses like that in that series, but he didn't. And that's the point. And that's, the, that's what came out in that Matt Gelb story uh, that, that talked about uh, talked to Bobby Dickerson, the infield coach about how he has progressed not just as a ball player, but as like, you know, just maturity wise, he's able to put moments like that behind him. I think how he felt is pretty much how everybody watching felt in the moment. It was just this crippling, agonizing, darn it, (laughs) to put it lightly. And then, you know, you got to just, you have to just move on. Even back in the dugout, he's, you know, slamming stuff down. You don't have to wonder if he cares. The real problem would be, you know, the accountable part, I think, would be triggered if Alec Bohm did something like that and then had no reaction or was like, you know, whatever, and then continued messing up or something. Like, that shows a longer-term issue of, like, somebody who's not going to stick here, somebody who's not a good fit, but we know who these guys are by now. We know they want to win. We know he wants to make that play. We know a lot of the time he does make that play. We know this year he's made a lot of plays that mm-hmm. he would not have made in previous years. As you said, he was getting compared to Mike Schmidt for one of his plays earlier this year like that is that is proof this kid can take a lot of steps forward and he has so uh end of the day i I feel like this is this is a little more anomalous whereas alvarado walking guy after guy until runs start coming in yeah that, that that was sort of like the table setting for a disaster and then boom was a disaster
1: before we get to saturday and sunday's game liz was friday nights the worst game of the year the worst loss of the year I mean, I, I hated the, that. I
0: hated yeah, I mean, it.
1: the most recent one usually feels like the worst, but uh, you know, I still—I know you guys talked about the the Bryce Harper 300th home run loss. Um, I, I still feel I—I I wanted that to be—I wanted to feel better about that as as the days went along, and I think you guys were generally more chipper after that game, you know, than than I than I have been. But I think you know, losing that game and then losing Friday, um, you really. You really would like to win one of those. (laughs) It's just and and I think for me, I think the Harper game hurts more. I think that's a worse loss when you consider the milestone and that it's at home and you know it's against a worse team. Uh, You know, it's emotionally.
0: uh, Yeah, it was definitely worse emotionally. Mm -hmm. I'll say, I feel you there. Like as far as overall vibes, like I, I still, I still defend my my chipperness after that loss because there was still a lot to be happy about but I completely get what you're talking about it's weird how the Phillies have given me enough confidence right now that I can stop reacting like solely emotionally to them Mm -hmm. like for years that's all we had because there there was just nothing happening and they were not good but now it's sort of like, yeah, I can look at this from thirty thousand feet a little bit instead of being constantly, you know, right next to all of my emotions all the time.
1: That's a really healthy approach, Liz. I would like for you to write <laughs> you should try a, that. I'd like for you to write me a prescription for whatever it is that's helping you to approach the Phillies in that kind of a normal way because I, I need some of that in my life and I'm not getting it. I it's, it's only been sunshine. recently. <laughs> But I I think you're right. And, you know, there's all, I don't have that impending doom of September, I think, that I've had in years past. Because even in the losses in Milwaukee, uh, I think they were, I think they were, the the first game, the game on Friday was was just kind of a, a weird loss. And in that game, we should just mention, too, that, um, uh, see, there were some good things that happened of course you had the home run uh, from Trey Turner but Jeff Hoffman is continuing to pitch really well out of the bullpen uh, there's a lot of worry about the bullpen right now and that's a mm-hmm. takeaway from uh, from the series this weekend in Milwaukee uh, but Jeff Hoffman has been really good as of late since August 2nd he's appeared in 15 games he hasn't allowed more than one hit in any appearance and has never allowed hits in consecutive appearances he's given up four runs in 14 innings and has allowed one walk in his last 11 appearances and he was about to strand the base is loaded in a huge spot right there so um you know i also liked you know his his fire coming off the field um i'm still not exactly sure why he was what was he mad about well i know what he was mad about
2: i have a feeling he was just mad at alec bohm he was probably Mm -hmm. yelling at the other at the brewers players like calling them alec but yelling at them instead of (laughs) Bohm because that was the only the only healthy way to channel that anger into the game yeah,
1: and I'm fine with that. Um, let's talk about the second game. Let's talk about the game on Saturday, and then we'll get to, to, to Sunday's win. It really is hard to look at Saturday as anything other than another Aaron Nola blowup. And I know there was some there was some batting average on balls in play misfortune. There were a couple balls in left field that dropped that a better left fielder than Kyle Schwarber probably would have gotten to. But you can't escape the fact that Aaron Nola was just awful in that game and and like you said justin the milwaukee offense has gotten better with mark canna aboard canna is a certified philly killer uh carlos santana it's it was hard watching him do stuff in this series because i kind of just assumed carlos santana was washed but he's not he he had a big two-run home run off of aaronola off of just maybe the worst pitch aaronola's ever oh. thrown i mean well you you couldn't have put it on a tee better for that guy in a big moment with the Phillies trailing only by I think the Phillies were trailing by two at the time. And that just uh, that essentially pushed the game out of reach. Ninety seven pitches in four and two thirds innings uh, for Aaron Nola. And uh, Kevin Cooney tweeted out Aaron updated September numbers in 40 career starts, 11 and 17 uh, with a four, four, five ERA and 35 home runs allowed. Um you know, this is Justin. This is what we've seen from him. You know, seven runs, eight hits, three walks in four and two thirds innings. After two starts in which, you know, I just the stuff against against the Cardinals, you could just see that it was more electric. And I don't know where it's disappearing to. Like his stuff looked amazing in his last start against the Cardinals. The fast, he was elevating his fastball and getting swings and misses in the strike zone off of his fastball. And in and against Milwaukee, like he just. He had no command, and that he's he's got to have his command. He just stopped so many pitches over the middle of the plate again. And once again, after Rob Thompson went on radio this week and said, he's my number two, he's starting game two of a playoff series, we were starting to feel pretty good about that prospect, and this once again gets us right back into the same place we've been.
2: Yeah, when you turn on an Aaron Nola start anymore, it's just kind of static comes out of the TV, and you know, you, there's what, what do you, what do you, what can you conclude anymore? I think we we have our conclusion. This is a guy that sometimes he has it and sometimes he doesn't. And we've talked about it plenty of times, so this was not surprising to anyone. Uh, what's really frustrating is when he looks really good in the first inning, as he did in that game. Where you want to, you almost, you have to stop yourself from being like, "Oh, Nola came to play," or like, "Nola's looking sharp today," because you know, unlike any other pitcher, he he can look uh, like better than anybody, and still suddenly, even just one inning later, throw a pitch that makes you go, "What?" Like the Brewers were yeah. were a team that uh, full of fastball hitters, and and they really don't hit breaking pitches very well as a team. Like it's part of why their their offense is uh, is not among the top offenses in the National League until recently. Uh, and Nola's got a devastating <laughs> breaking pitch that he can throw, and yet somehow those two things didn't add up into a successful outing for him. Uh, and and yeah, you know, and then. A couple things, a couple runners get on base, and you see what you always see. He just can't keep it together, and next thing you know, it's a classic NOLA start. So, I think, best case scenario, if he's able to separate starts like this with like three, two or three good ones in between, that's a positive development for him. It's something the Phillies really could use in September. But I think part of the frustrating part as well is that with the kind of stats Cooney tweeted out, this is stuff, again, we thought we were past you know maybe that was foolhardy to think but seeing him do it once last year seeing him succeed through September and be a big part of this team's playoff push you know I, I guess you do allow yourself to think well okay he's reached that level he's not gonna you know he's beyond n- not doing that now that we don't have to worry about that but it's Aaron Nola, you know that's it is always a concern the collapse is always imminent but you know you might avoid it entirely in this case. Yeah. The Brewers just, they were too hot and he was throwing two hittable pitches for them to not knock him around.
1: Liz, I I think I was listening to the, um, to the radio broadcast on Saturday night as I was as I was driving around and and Kevin Stocker and uh, Scott Fransky were talking about his numbers with runners in scoring position. And obviously it's n- it's not good this year. 2.84 batting average allowed with runners in scoring position and the slugging percentage I think is over 600. Like it's just it's very 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 bad. <laughs> and we've been talking about the pitch clock that we think that it has a lot to do with the pitch timer that he feels more rushed. That he's not able to slow the game down. And that game against St. Louis, he, after the leadoff double, he, gave it, he, he retired 21 out of the next 22 hitters. He didn't pitch from the stretch that okay. whole game, essentially. So that's the key. No base runners. You know, he just can't allow any base runners. <laughs> Good luck. But, but this has been, as they mentioned on the radio broadcast, this is not a one-year thing. So it may not be the pitch timer. last year he gave up a 259 batting average with runners on base. It was worse with runners in scoring position. Same thing in 2021, a 260 batting average allowed with a, with a uh, with runners in scoring position it was a couple of like 10-15 points higher than that. But you look at 2019, a 230 batting average with runners in scoring position. And in 2018, it was 169 with runners in scoring position. So oh, wow. no one knows what's happening here. This is one of the greatest mysteries in Phillies baseball. <laughs> well, that's... why has Aaron Nola suddenly and so drastically become unable to pitch effectively with runners on base?
0: I'd love to find out. Uh, I I would hope that the Phillies have pinpointed this <laughs> far far earlier than uh, we have that you know the that he has been worse in the stretch. I think the pitch the pitch clock has exacerbated the issue mm-hmm. um, as the numbers bear out. Um, I I don't know. It's really frustrating because you want to say, you know, I you could hope it was the pitch clock and be like, all right, well, he'll go away and he'll fix it and he'll be back next year. But we know that's not the issue. It's more and deeper. It's literally something he's been doing now and getting worse at for years. Mm-hmm. I I would love for them to to figure this out soon because it's it it is stopping him from being an effective like an overall effective pitcher, a guy that fans like us want to see on the team next year or at any point in the future.
1: Well, I think part of the problem too here is just in general, overall, he's not striking as many batters out. He's only he's, He has struck a 25.5% of batters face this year. That's the lowest since his rookie season in 2016, when it was 25.1%. His walk rate is 6.3%. Last year, it was only 3.6%. So he's walking almost twice as many hitters as he did last year. Now, that's still not a ton, but it's basically 2.3 batters per, per nine innings. But what really gets you here is he's only allowing opponents to hit 234 against him. That's pretty good. The whip is one15 Again, that's pretty good, and he's not even getting BABIPed to death. He's only allowing a two seventy-six batting average on balls in play. The problem is the home runs. 1.57 home runs per nine innings. Last year, it was 0.83. Like, I don't...
2: <sighs> and that, that feeds into the Phillies always playing from behind thing. Like, yeah, it's been fun to watch them over, overcome these, these early deficits, but... Noah is one of those guys who's given up these these early bombs that help put Phillies in, the Phillies in like a two or three run hole and sometimes they can't come all the way back as we have seen yeah. in those three straight games but since July 1st From the second to the fourth inning, because I feel like usually they can get through the first. It's like one of those early innings after they've already set the bar at like, yeah, this is how I look today. Then suddenly they start giving up home runs. But from the second to the fourth inning since July 1st, the Phillies are tied with the Nationals for giving up the most home runs in that (laughs) time frame of a game with 36. (laughs) They've given up like 40 fewer walks than the Nationals, but they have the same amount of home runs. Like that's... That's just their bread and butter. They love giving them up early in games and then playing from behind. You know, when when the other team gets the lead, it's not because typically that they're getting guys on base and like rallying and stuff. It's because they're getting good long knocks when they need yeah. them early on and are able to build these like small leads. That fortunately the offense has been able to overcome. But guys like Nola, you know, they they give up the long ball early.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting in that. I was looking at some of these numbers, and I forget who. Oh, the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies uh, Stats Group tweeted this out. Um, Phillies starters this year are first in the National League in innings pitched. They are first in Major League Baseball in FWAR. Phillies' relievers are 30th in Major League Baseball in innings pitched. So in other words, the Phillies' starters are going deeper than just about any other starting rotation in baseball. The Phillies' relievers have pitched essentially fewer innings than just about every team in baseball. And Phillies' relievers have a 5.6 FWAR, which is second in the National League, fourth in baseball. When you combine all of their FWAR together, the Phillies' starting rotation is first in Major League Baseball. In other words, according to Fangraph's Wins Above Replacement, the Phillies have the best overall pitching staff in baseball so, <laughs> wow now maybe that says more about <laughs> f than anything else yeah, but it, it doesn't might. feel like it
2: I think they're probably better than it feels because they're they can be like for stretches that we've seen they can be good, reliably average for like stretches of time, but they're not like dominant. You know, yeah, you got the Lorenzo no hitter and and Nola's gone deep into a few starts uh, when he's managed to like keep things perfectly in order. But uh, yeah, for the most part, they they're like they're like under the radar effective. Uh, so, like, nobody really talks about it because it's not like... The, and I don't think there's one guy who's had a lot of success all season long. I mean, obviously, you lean on Wheeler because he's your number one. But the rest of these guys have been... yeah, you know, they, they they've had to bounce back from struggles, like weeks of, of struggles. They've been resting Walker a little more. Suarez has been out with an injury. And, and uh, when he got pulled after only four innings, it broke a streak of 15 games where he was going five innings or more. Like, again, mm-hmm. to, to the to the deep into games argument like that's that stuff's been going on all season it's just yeah no no one no one pitcher in the Phillies rotation has really like dominated all year long but they do find ways to be effective they do find ways to to just keep the Phillies in games rather than dominating them
1: I will say I don't understand how Aaron Nola's F4 is as high as it is I I don't know I know I just don't know what (laughs) I don't know. How does Kyle, Kyle
2: how is Kyle Kyle Schwarber batting like 110 with 80 home runs? You know, yeah, who, who knows? <laughs> yeah. How
1: about how about wasting two straight leadoff home runs from Kyle Schwarber in this series? Just just weird. And then the and then the Brewers get a, a home run from the second hitter in the game uh, against Ranger Suarez on Sunday, and then the Phillies end up coming back to win that one. So the moral of the story is do not hit first inning home runs. It's a terrible idea. You don't you don't want to do it. It'll it'll cause you to lose. Um Let's talk about game three, uh, because Ranger Suarez returned from the injured list, his first start in three weeks. He was pulled after the fourth inning. Uh, that was a it broke a streak of 15 straight games in which he's lasted at least five innings, but understandable. He threw a lot of pitches in those four innings. Clearly rusty, clearly didn't have his, his pinpoint command. Really need to keep Ranger healthy from here on out. He's had a couple of stints on the injured list. It's been kind of an up and down season for him. I still think he's a really effective pitcher, a guy you want healthy for the playoffs, given how he performed last year. Uh, just gave up just the two home runs on five hits also walked a couple of guys struck out five um his his stuff was there the velocity was there it's where you want it to be so he looks healthy he just looked a little bit rusty um but the phillies offense was getting no hit by wade miley for five and two thirds and then trey turner continues his hot hitting with an rbi single and a nick castellanos rbi double to make it two to one I think this was the mistake that Craig Council made, bringing Wade Miley back out to pitch the seventh inning, giving Alec Baum and JT Realmuto a couple of right handers a third time to see him. And then like we talked about earlier, Alec Baum atones for the error in the first game of the series with a tying a a, a game tying solo home run. Uh, And then JT Realmuto, I can't believe how far he hit that ball. Off the center field scoreboard, and you hear it. It was bang. so loud. Yeah. It was so loud. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was the sixth time the Phillies fit back-to-back homers this year, and now you know the Phillies are having such a hard time. I'm, actually, I actually mentioned this note from MLB.com. Uh, the Phillies' pair of homers marked the sixth straight game with at least two home runs, tying for the longest such streak in franchise history. They also went deep multiple times in six straight games from August second to the eighth, nineteen. 69 and i've been seeing online you know we were talking about this team they just can't hit home runs for the first four months of the season they're just working so hard struggling to try to put runs on the board they're not hitting home runs and now it feels like the only way they're scoring is hitting home runs i'll tell you if i had to choose one way or the other i would rather be home run reliant like they are right now than the way things were in the first four months because liz as we're seeing when you're home run reliant it can kind of get pretty rough to watch for five or six innings, but you're one swing away, two swings away from getting right back into a ball game and, and taking a lead, and that's what we saw on Sunday.
0: <coughs> I'm sorry. It's
1: all right, Kathleen. Take, take me a sip of water.
0: <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. I actually do need a sip of water. Yeah. Skip me. Go back.
1: All right, Justin. Uh, are they getting too home run reliant, or is this, is this, is this cool?
2: What's, what's two home run reliant? There's no such
1: thing. I've seen it on Twitter. That's why I'm at, you know,
2: I'm just so reluctant to, to use that, to wield that as a criticism because we wanted it to see it for so long. And now we're seeing it. And, uh, I I don't want to complain about it because from April 1st to July 15th, this team hit 102 home runs. That was tied for like 17th in baseball. And from July 16th to today, They've hit 76, which is tied for second. Oh my God. I mean, that's a that's a surge that you want to see in your team in the second half. I mean, am I nuts? I, I feel like no. are people this is a problem too for people? Reliance
0: no. on home runs. Yes, you can this hit is, too many home runs. I don't know what that I don't even know what that means. Like, I mean, they're, they're, hitting they're, they're scoring runs. runs. Yeah, I mean, like, are the hitters standing there thinking? I'm gonna try for a home run this time. I'm just gonna do that. Not. That's the only yeah. thing I'm doing because you know I I don't you can't it, it comes off the bat. That's what happens. Like you can hit mm-hmm. too many home runs, but it's not like every player is going up there pressing a button and choosing to do it.
2: I mean I It think... just it means they're locked in. Yeah. It means guys who were brought here to hit home runs are hitting home runs. I mean, did you think Kyle Schwarper was here to play left field? <laughs> did you think Trey Turner was here to hit 250 for the next 13 years? No, these are guys who were brought in to hit home runs. They're doing that. The Phillies too home run reliant? That's a little too late for that, man. Like, yeah. there's about five free agents here whose whole thing is I hit home runs. So if you want want the Phillies to be home run reliant, I don't want to tell you that's what they're gonna look like when they're hitting well.
1: Really, one, uh, such a bizarre season uh, for, for some of these guys. And, and Kyle Schwarber, no, no less than anybody else, he has 106 walks this year, 175 strikeouts. He's hitting 190, 39 home runs. I think he has 37 singles and 39 home runs uh, with 88 RBIs. His OPS is 801, which should be impossible with a 190 batting average. And I don't, he's going to be the first player ever to hit 40 home runs and have a batting average under 200 in a season, just, just completely bizarre bonkers season, uh,
0: line. and like, every time I see him do that, I'm just like, what, how does a player like this exist? Like how, how does, how did baseball happen to work in a way to give him these stats? Because that's what it is. It feels that way. Like he's been created specifically to annoy Phillies fans, but also be good. Right.
1: Yep. Yep. I I, only once in in baseball history has a player qualified for the batting title with a batting average under 200 and an OPS over 800. Give me it. It happened in 2021. There was another player who finished with a batting average under 200 and an OPS over 800. Can you guys give me a guess as to who it might be?
0: I think I know. Justin?
2: Adam Dunn.
0: (laughs) Yes. No. Incorrect. (laughs) That's usually (laughs) my answer for these, but I believe he's been retired for quite a while. I think it's Joey Gallo. She nailed it. Joey Gallo.
2: I I missed the time frame. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Absolutely,
1: Liz. Good job. Um, And uh, Kyle Schwarber on pace for 46 home runs, uh, 103 runs. Just three other Phillies have posted a season of 40 home runs, 100 runs, 100 100 RBIs, and 100 walks. Uh, Those players' names are Ryan Howard, Jim Tomey, and Mike Schmidt twice. Uh, before, So uh, Kyle Schwarber <laughs> is getting close to some game.
0: This is. Pretty, it's such what a an dumb absolutely game. nonsensical game. by Such a dumb game. My God. I want
2: to I want to say that uh, while well, I was distracted from the question because I was doing some math and the basic math I was just doing is that if Kyle every one of Kyle Schwarber's walks had been singles, he'd be hitting 330. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, no. But that's the thing. When he's
1: hitting 190, you better be supplementing that with a poop ton of walks, and he is. I mean, he's walking so much right now. So I'm fine with the batting. For For a long time, I wasn't because we didn't see a lot. Of, the power was slow to come around, but uh, not anymore. And uh, another good thing to come out of this, two more good things to come out of this Milwaukee series. One was JT Realmuto seems to be getting his timing back down. Two home runs in the series, but um, he went uh, one for two with a couple of walks in the game on Sunday, two for four on Saturday, one for three on Friday. He went two for four in uh, the game on Tuesday against the Angels. So uh, JT Realmuto. Muto looks like he's finally starting to, to get his bat going, which is big because they, they really do need another right-handed bat in there to provide a little bit of power. And the bullpen. It was, it's was it been so shaky lately, and everybody's really nervous right now. I don't think anybody trusts any of the relievers when they come in right now. Certainly not like we were in May and June, and really most of July when, when they were shutting everybody down. But they did a really good job in uh, relief of Ranger Suarez going the final five innings. Uh, you had Jeff Hoffman Sir Anthony Dominguez, Matt Strom, Jose Alvarado, Craig Kimbrell, all pitched scoreless innings. Matt Strom's inning was an adventure. The man couldn't find the strike zone. I don't know how he got out of his bases loaded situation. I don't know how Rob Thompson stayed on the bench and didn't go get him because it seemed like every pitch was two feet over the hitter's head. Like his release point was way off. But somehow Strom got out of it. I I would like – you would like to – I guess – the overall numbers like we've been talking about for the bullpen, Liz, have been really good. But what is your confidence level right now in the bullpen here in the month of September? Because I'm I'm really struggling to find guys that I, I know when they come in, I'm feeling like, yeah, we got this.
0: Yeah, the you were asking me what was the actual question. How you feel about, do the,
1: bullpen? Feel about the bullpen. How confident are you?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm probably about where you are. Very... I'm concerned when I see certain guys go out to the mound. Matt Strom usually isn't one. He's had some bad outings, but he's usually – he's crafty. I don't think people give him enough credit for being that way because he's just – he's very go with the flow, but he's very thoughtful and strategic. Um, Besides, like, Jeff Hoffman and him, I I get – I've got some agita every time I see someone I mean he, Craig Kimbrell even is is very scary right now because you just want him to get back to where he was and you if he doesn't then the Phillies are in a lot of trouble.
1: All right, let's 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 do a little let's do a little game here, and I'll start with you, Justin. Um, which is totally unfair, but uh, rank for me. I'm going to give you some relievers' names. I want you to rank for me your level of confidence when they come in the game. All right, so it's going to be. It, you know what? I, do. I need need to read the names. Like I, it's just kind of like. What's
0: the what scale? is your are we five to ten? Or we, you know, or you know, yeah, that's five, I'm kind of, that's what 10. I was going to ask.
1: <laughs> I, I was just going to say, let, kind of rank the rank the relievers in order. You know, like I'm most confident in Sir Anthony Dominguez right now, followed by Jose Alvarado, followed by Craig. That's too difficult. Those are so let's, his let's,
0: Those <laughs> are just those are uh, John's real rankings. Everyone, you heard it here. He is most confident in Sir Anthony <laughs> and Dominguez. Jeff Hoffman
1: right now. Yes, that's right. Um,
2: I mean, I would what, say there's there's nobody that I really think. Oh no. Yeah. About like every time, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a couple of guys who, uh, you know, when a guy has been struggling, you know, when a guy has uh, has has had a couple of bad appearances in a row. But then I think the, the Strom stuff is different because he can make you nervous and still succeed. And a couple of these guys can do that too. I feel like it's just a lot of plates and some of them start wobbling uh, a little more than the others. I still, I'll tell you what, I still get like nervous when Dylan Covey comes out, even though he has been much more effective and less of a talking point. Uh, but there, yeah, I would say for the most part, it's—it's it, there's nobody that instantly makes me too nervous Dominguez used to earlier this year when it looked like he could not find the home plate he could not and when he could you know all he was doing was just offering up hittable pitches but like you said John I mean he's he's been outstanding uh Jeff Hoffman's been outstanding um yeah that there's, I, I think it's a blessing that there's no one who can come into a game that I'll think automatically like, oh boy, here we go. And that's a product of watching this team's historically bad bullpens from the past couple of years. But if they've found a, a, a bunch of guys whose worst games are, are are just you know spread out between them rather than compartmentalized into like a couple of guys who you just have to have and are you know are gonna g- be giving up line drives to every corner of the field, then I think we're in an almost. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we're in an almost ideal situation. That doesn't sound right. I just think that it's nice to be able to have a bullpen that doesn't have any automatic disasters in it. I'll say that. That's my that's my general feeling about the bullpen right now. Some guys have looked better at different points of the season. Some guys have looked worse. I think this is this just feels like it's almost just Kimbrel's turn. And I don't think it necessarily has to last very long. But yeah, I think he is going to start making people a little more nervous because he's a 35-year-old closer whose success this year was largely unpredicted.
1: Right and and Liz they've just got to space him out a little bit more. That game against the Angels on Sunday it was his third appearance in four games and in the one game he didn't actually come in he was warming up in the bullpen. So they 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 really need Alvarado. The the saving grace was Alvarado's cutter looked way better on Sunday than it did on Friday. He couldn't throw his most effective pitch on Friday because he couldn't throw it for strikes and he couldn't get a feel for it. He got a feel for it on Sunday. That's a great sign moving forward because he's still throwing 100 miles an hour. Sir Anthony Dominguez doesn't have the 99 that he had in the playoffs last year. That might come back as the adrenaline starts to ramp back up again. But I think largely he's starting to settle down a little bit. I, I think it was interesting in something Scott Lauber wrote here in the afternoon before the game against the Padres talking about Hoffman and Strom. Strom has has been really effective with runners on base. 167 batting average allowed with runners on and only a 158 batting average allowed with runners in scoring position. Um Thompson said uh, before the game, he said um, he'd like to try them in later innings, but he also likes them in the sixth and seventh inning when we're in a little bit of trouble. And here's the phrase Thompson used. Justin, I wanted to point this out. He says, when it's a dirty inning with base runners out there. Hello. Uh, oh. Hello. Yep. Rob he, Thompson,
2: big fan of the, fan of, of the fan of the pod.
1: Fan of the pod. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just wanted to make sure you heard that. But I, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I still don't feel great when Greg Soto comes in a game. Me but, you know, he can, like we saw him be really effective on Sunday, Liz. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know that I can even put these guys in any kind of an order or, or rank them because it really just does depend on usage. And I think it's really up to Rob Thompson to make sure he's got enough high He's got six guys really Hoffman, Strom, Kimbrel, Dominguez, Alvarado, Soto, that you really should be able to feel comfortable with from innings seven through nine, that you don't have to burn these guys to the ground, especially when you've got a starting rotation. That's six pitchers deep right now that will give you length.
0: True. I mean, I think having I mean, those six guys, I still feel funny about Greg Soto. Sometimes I'm worried. I'm always worried about Sir Anthony Dominguez, uh, seeing Jose Alvarado yesterday, as you said, he looked a lot better, um, and I was I was thrilled with that because um, the Phillies, they have Kimbrel, but at any point, they, they've they had Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado as their closer. They've mm-hmm. got, I mean, if, for people who like to think in the bullpen role kind of way, you've got three closers there who are just chilling as your relievers. Like, this is this is how it should be. If you have... Three guys in a bullpen, two guys in a bullpen. You know you can go to and feel good about. As a manager, you're in a good place. And Rob Thompson has a lot. He has more than two. He's got more than three. He's got six. And so hopefully we're not in a uh, Zach Eflin has to join the bullpen as a long reliever slash closer. Mm-hmm. You know for the for the you know late season because I remember being excited about that, but also thinking this doesn't happen when teams are actually good, right? This doesn't happen yeah. when teams are, are World Series winning teams. They don't have to make their their often injured starter a reliever because they desperately need it.
1: And, and I'll well, say this. Go ahead, Justin. Well,
2: I was just going to say, I believe what they plan to do is like halfway through, or after that series with the Braves, or maybe just after the doubleheader that opens it, they're going to go back to a five-man rotation, yes. but they're going to combine San- Sanchez and Lorenzen's starts into yep. one. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. 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 So I think that's, that's another effort to not um, hopefully not like tax the bullpen as much.
1: Yeah. And then those guys go into the bullpen for the playoffs. Yeah, a big, I, I think both relief. Sanchez, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Sanchez becomes another lefty out of the bullpen for you. Lorenzen can be a guy that can give you some length there and um, provided that the rest of the starters stay healthy and no one completely loses it that you need to use one of those guys as a starter in, in the playoffs uh, that they're, they're better equipped like David Robertson, when they had him last year, didn't miss bats. Like, you just, you had to hold your breath every time David Robertson oh, yeah. came in. Same with same with they Eflin. He loved bats. Oh, yes. he loved bats. Loved bats. And, and Eflin loved bats. He liked, he, he pitched a contact and, you know, was effective most of the time, but it was kind of white knuckles time because when you needed a strikeout, that's not what those guys did. The Phillies have a guy, have a lot of guys who can get swings and misses and that's what Dombrowski wanted to get this offseason and we'll just kind of uh, hope that they can figure out a way to utilize the bullpen so that you're not burning out Craig Kimbrell or Alvarado or Dominguez or Soto or anybody else moving forward here. All right, the Phillies are getting ready to start a three-game series in San Diego, a rematch of the National League Championship Series from last year. The Phillies can officially put the nail in the coffin of the Padres. Uh, The Padres did do the Phillies a solid this week by taking three out of four from the Giants, but uh, we want to nip that in the bud and just officially bury the Padres here uh, this week. So I guess we're thinking, you know, Two out of three, I think they've. I think the Phillies reasonably should be expected to win two out of three here uh, in this series against uh, San Diego. Um, let's talk some final thoughts as we wrap up here, uh, Justin. Any final thoughts from you?
2: Well, speaking of other National League teams, I didn't realize this, but going into today, do you realize the Phillies are up five and a half games in the top wild card spot? The Cubs are right behind them; they're three up, uh, so they're only two and a half behind the Phillies. And then that third spot is. <laughs> Record-wise, occupied by four different teams. It's crazy. Who are all tied. They all have five eleven winning percentages. The Marlins, Giants, and Diamondbacks are all at seventy and sixty seven. The Reds are at seventy one and sixty eight. The Marlins series at the end of this week will probably have a decent amount of implications towards the playoffs because it's gonna it's gonna indicate like who is seated where. And who, like because of the season series being the determinant for some of these seedings and the Marlins and Phillies are, I think, five and five. So playing these three more games is going to determine who wins the season series, which could have implications in the playoffs, as well as when the Marlins play any of these other teams, which I believe they play at least two more of them. So I say all this just to say. It's nice to still be in this top spot. I'm confident the Phillies can stay in it because it is just a it is just a trash compactor down yes. there and I am really glad they're not just, you know, every day playing for their lives the way these four teams are going to be for this last wild card spot.
1: Yeah, not like last year oh, where God, you know, so you're hard. you're you're just scraping by and, and trying to hang on to one of the, those last wild card spots and really the Phillies have have been very uneven over the last, you know, 5 or 6 games, but the fact you've built up that lead it's still there, you know, and that's the that's the beauty of having a big uh, a, a good lead. It's really hard to lose it unless you go absolutely in the tank. And the Phillies, I don't think are going to go in the. I don't think we're going to see a seven eight game losing streak in order to see that uh, that lead get whittled down like that. Knock on wood, but you know we'll see. I
0: just Liz, did. final thoughts. I did. I did as well. I just I knocked, ran out on knocking? the floor. Yep. Liz, final thoughts? All right. I remember last year we were doing a lot of, well, this, you know, they're just like that 2018. Ooh, they're just like that 2018. All the, the changes and the winning and all that fun stuff. Uh, John Clark tweeted uh, on today's Monday, uh, the Phillies have homebred in 16 straight games. The only longer streak in Phillies history was 18 straight games in the 2008 World Series championship <laughs> year. <laughs>
1: There's time is a flat circle. Time I'm is convinced a flat
0: circle. I would say I think this is a little bit more compelling than any of those because something that that team had was power. They had it yeah. wasn't just power. They had power. They had timely power, and this yeah. this team seems to have that. The last team that I felt like they could go into a game and I never felt like they were out of it. It was probably like the 2011, 2010. It was the Phillies from that era. And this year, like in the last month or so, is the first time I felt that way about a Phillies team since then. That they go in and they have a chance in any game because of the combination of their pitching and their bats. So,
1: yeah. And not every Phillies hitter is red hot they have they have some guys who are red hot but the big difference is they don't have anybody in their lineup again knock on wood that's ice cold right now like everybody is doing pretty good to very good to great and they're all taking turns being heroes uh, and that's what we saw in the 22 playoffs last year too but the, i think the thing that's exciting is the stars are playing like stars like we were hoping they would and all the young guys who were so improved They've continued on the trajectory so it's like it's the, the the tide got lifted once the big five started to started to perform well Bryce Harper finally is feeling like himself and Harper had a rough weekend in in Milwaukee uh, but hopefully he'll turn it around here in San Diego but again when you've got everybody else doing well you don't absolutely have to have Harper carrying you every time although it's certainly a lot of fun when he does
0: That's how a baseball team's supposed to work everybody uh, that's how a that well-built is. baseball team is supposed to work. Somebody so tell it.
2: him he doesn't need to carry the team all the time. No, he's going to break both his arms <laughs> with one of his swings. He does not know how.
0: He does not know how. <laughs> no. He can't go anything less than 100% of himself at all times. Does not matter.
1: It's- too true. That's exactly right, and that's what we love about him, and that's why he, generally speaking, is able to do the things he does, but um, we'll see this team, uh, how they can continue to hit some home runs in San Diego, a place it's a little tough to hit home runs, but uh, the Phillies have some good memories from uh, game one of last year, Uh, and we'll see if they can put the finally put the final nail in the coffin for San Diego season and come back to Philadelphia for a big four game series against the Braves next weekend uh, with a series win against the Padres under their belt. All right, everybody that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and season. I want to remind you about our Hit and season, Patreon, where you can hear the dirty inning and continued success and a number of other extra bonus podcasts. For those of you who sign up on one of our tiers, go to patreon.com slash hidden season. And also want to make sure that you don't miss anything that we're doing here at Hit and season, whether it's our blog posts or the podcast as well. You can go Go to BillyPenn.com slash Season for our landing page, and you can see everything that we've got going on there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on and Season.